Hello and welcome to Spirited Conversation. My name is Pastor Sparkles. And it's me, Lemon. And we are... Look, I've, I've been a bit of a fan of this show for so long. Uh, just oh, yeah. so long, but just never watched it. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what true fans do. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, you've been bugging me to watch Avatar, The Last Airbender, not the James Cameron movie, for a very long time. <laughs> and yep. we finally got around to watching it over dinners and lunches. Yep. And we just finished. Yeah, just yesterday we watched the one and a half hour season finale during lunch. And I'm so excited, honestly, because I, I watched this show as a kid and I loved it as a kid. I watched Korra when I was a little older and I rewatched Avatar last year. And now watching it with you and you seeing everything for the first time, it's been really exciting seeing what you pick up on through your first watch and what I get, like I can tell you having watched it multiple times now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I've really enjoyed it. I suppose a lot of the time it would have been difficult for you because I was like, <gasps> does this mean this? Oh my God, is it? And you're, and I could just see in your face, you're like, I want to tell you, but I don't want to tell you. It's, it's so hard because I, I think I don't have a poker face at all. And if I have a secret, which is the information, you know, on the show, it, really pains me to not be able to say it (laughs) but i'm really glad now that you're finished so i can have this big conversation with you so this podcast is going to be all about avatar the last airbender and our thoughts on it so if for some reason you didn't grow up with the show haven't watched it at all this will contain spoilers and if you have haven't watched it and want to or don't know if you want to hopefully after at least the first explanation of of this from us you maybe you'll be tempted to watch it and then come back to the podcast <laughs> yeah or even if you listen to all the podcasts and you're like oh damn yeah i gotta watch that of course there's gonna be so much stuff we don't talk about because oh, yeah. you know it is what 60 some 61 episodes i think in total I think I remember seeing today, it was like 20 episodes all up, but some of them are like double length episodes or like both episodes squished oh, into one. It's it's about 30 in terms of number of episodes, but yeah, you're right. There are a couple of double episodes and then there's obviously the season finale. Which is four. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's probably. There's a, there's a few, there's a few to, to keep you entertained. Yeah. Um, but we're having a bit of a drink, which is a interesting drink from the show. Yes, yeah, so a very famous episode from the show is an episode where Sokka, one of the main characters... And Momo, the other main character. <laughs> ...drink a lovely drink called Cactus Juice, where they hallucinate a lot in the it's... desert. <laughs> yeah. Our drink has Midori, absinthe, coconut rum, and lemonade. All over a heck of a lot of ice, and honestly, it looks... Like the quenchiest drink. The quenchiest. Let's let's give, let's it, a give taste. it a drink. It's mostly Midori to me. It is mostly Midori, but, but it's I'm so nice. Also getting the like at the end, I get the coconut flavor. Yeah. And then there's something else, which obviously is the absinthe. Yeah. But it's just like there's something there. It's just a hint of absinthe. I like so the the recipe that we're basing this mostly from is from the Drunken Moogle, who do a bunch of themed cocktails based on nerdy things. And I think the reason that they added absinthe is purely because of the... the good old wives' tale of yeah. hallucinating from the moon. From wor- um, Wormwood. Yeah. So, yeah. But it, you can't really taste it. But yeah. I, I'm so excited. Okay, so as a brief rundown of the show, 
Avatar The Last Airbender is a show all about the four elements. They all live together in harmony until the Fire Nation attacks. So there are four kind of separate nations, each based on one element. And within those nations, there are people who can use that element as a kind of martial art, magical ability kind of thing. They can harness the energy. And there's one person who can harness them all and they are the avatar they are meant to be the bridge between worlds between the spirit world and the human world and they are meant to bring peace to the world and by the time that we come into the story there has already been a hundred year war going on where the fire nation has been destroying the air nomads the the water tribe and the earth kingdom to try and take over the entire world we get to see it from a bunch of different perspectives and learn a bunch of different things. And I guess that's the, the, an easy synopsis of it, but it, it is just incredible. The show talks about imperialism, mass genocide, racism. It talks about sexism. There's there's so many themes that this show goes through. And that really caught me off guard as well when it was touching on a lot of like the sexism and like, you know, people not being accepting of others' differences because it came out, you know, mid to late 2000s. Yeah. So, like, yeah, mid to mid to late 2000s. Yeah. That's ahead of its time for Way touching on these kinds. And even better, it was in a cartoon show. Like, you know, in an for anime. Kids, it was aimed at it, kids yeah. under 15. So, I think, could you say Avatar shaped <laughs> the, the young people of today? That's it. <laughs> You know how they're like, oh, I'm looking forward to the next generation gaining power. Yeah, because then they're going to make sure the Fire Nation, Does it a.k.a. global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to talk about this. Mostly I wanted to get your thoughts on each of the books. So there's three seasons and they're named as books and kind of go through them. And uh, I can give you a bit of insight, extra insight that I've learned from both watching and reading. And then, yeah, we can just discuss as as the discussion goes. Yeah, sounds good. So the first book is Water. In the TV show, which is all it is, this it's not based on a book, but there has been books. And I mean, it was obviously based on a story, but they wrote it for the show. And books or seasons are named after each element that the Avatar needs to learn and in the progression that he learns them. So water is the first, then it's earth, and then it's fire. And actually in the original conception of the show, the books were named after the seasons until Sozin's Comet, which is kind of like the end of the world in the show because they know that when Sozin's Comet, which comes every year, named after the Fire Lord of the first comet... Every hundred years, yeah. That That's when the Fire Nation is going to be most powerful and they are going to finish wiping out the world. So I, I kind of like the original one a little bit better, but I think for the flow of the show, it makes more sense that it's kind of his knowledge being gained rather than impending doom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did I did like that. And, like, you know, he went and froze himself underwater for a hundred years so he wasn't there a hundred years ago when sozin's comet first came past and yeah. got its name of sozin's comet and now it's like just around the river bend and it's here to fuck up the world yeah. so for the first one i liked it because of ang of course being the avatar not 
taking it seriously, I suppose. Him because, coming to terms with what's happened. Yeah, because he doesn't know what's happened. And they're like, wow, you've been gone for 100 years. And he's like, what? That makes no sense. I'm 12. Um, <laughs> yeah, can't you see? I'm a 12-year-old bald boy. Yeah, I'm 12. And who, <laughs> what is this? And he's... um, <laughs> Pyre. <laughs> shout out Pioneer Summer. Um, and I enjoyed that because, you know, he was like, okay... We're going to get to the North Pole and Katara, who takes me on a roller coaster of emotions of, oh my God, she's so cool. And, oh, she's so lovely. And, wow, what a bitch. And, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, she's so scary and powerful and a bitch. But also, cute. I love her. And not, yeah, it's like all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going there, and he's like, cool, we've just got to go past here, 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 here on our way there. And they're like, what's there? And he's like, well, over here, we've got to go ride these you know fish and then we've got to go penguin sledding over here and then yeah and he's so excited he's, about all yeah, these things all like, these things that he used to do and just fun little things but he, he's excited about being a kid which is so cool like ang's character progression throughout the whole show is really interesting and i think it's really cool that they show at that start part him being a kid because when he yeah froze himself in the ice he was a kid and he was running away from responsibility which is exactly what a kid would do they don't have the emotional intelligence to understand what's happening or to deal with what's happening mm. and so when he's unfrozen of course he wants to go back to doing those fun things because he's still running away from his responsibility and he doesn't really grasp the fact that the fire nation is fucking up the world yeah because at that point for it a hadn't, long time yeah. <laughs> i mean like it had always kind of been simmering but it hadn't quite yeah they hadn't yeah they hadn't popped yet yeah but yeah, so that was really cool, and yeah, his his progress and even just his growth through the first season and like the first book that was really cool. But a lot of characters had some really cool growth. Yeah. But from the get go, and I maintain this until the very very end, Iroh is Bay. <laughs> now Iroh is the best. He is he's the uncle of Zuko. Zuko, and yeah, and Zuko is. Oh, you know, the prince I've... of the current fire lord and the the crown prince, so he's going yeah. to succeed. But he got banished, and and his face burnt by his dad because his dad's like, "Hey, you spoke once, so I'm going <laughs> to fucking kill you." Yeah, like what the hell? That just goes to you know show you what can happen with the fire lord if he was to you know continue through with his plan. And Iroh, being the fire lord's brother. He was sort of also cast out and has gone out to help Zuko go find the Avatar because Because he's Zuko... a disgraced prince too. Yeah. And and Zuko thinks that finding the Avatar is the only way he can regain, regain his honor. Oh, yeah. And it's just through the first season, it, it gets better, but Zuko is unbearable oh he is unbearable yeah that first season oh, iroh's the only good part of following that story because zuko's just so whiny little bitch yeah like you know why and like you do feel for him at times but it's he makes it really hard for you to feel for him because mm. the whole time you're just like shut up like <laughs> <laughs> can you for one second stop people stop treating people like shit but like, that's how he's been taught to treat people. So it makes sense that he would. I, I do kind of like that, that, like, of course it would be easier if he was a more likable character. But I like that they chose to make him pretty much unlikable because it makes his story progression so much more satisfying. Mm. 
definitely brings more weight to it when you start liking him. Yeah. And then you're like, but he did all this annoying stuff and oh my God, and I'm forgiving him for that. Yeah. Like, and oh my God, they're ahead of their time. Forgive people. <laughs> Forgiveness um, <laughs> is more than saying sorry. God. <laughs> To forgive is divine, <laughs> so let's have a glass of cactus juice. Cactus juice, the quenchiest. It'll quench you. It'll quench you. Yeah, so it's a great little journey, and once you get past Zuko being annoying and and Ira being the best, um, which you can never get past, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting in seeing the kind of stuff Aang goes through at the beginning, like coming to terms and realising... Oh shit, I've got, you know, avatar powers. Like, he can go into the avatar state, which we don't really understand at the start. No. Which he, like, eyes glow and his big pointy arrowhead glows and he's just like, hey, I can do literally everything. Yeah. And it's terrifying. And he thinks it's terrifying as well. But it, like, it's good to see that he is a kid to begin with. And yeah. that's what you're following. <laughs> yeah, I. One of my favorite scenes in the first season is when Aang goes to the the air temple, the Eastern Air Temple, I think is the first one they go to. Mm. And it's really sad because he goes there and he's like, yeah, like, hell yeah, I'm going to get to see all of the people that I love and whatever because he... I don't think at that point he had known really how long it had... Like, they talked about it, like, Katara and him when they went to go explore the Fire Nation ship that was in the South Pole. Yeah, and when um, they first found him, they're like, hey, you've been a gone for, like, 100 years, but yeah. he never knew what had happened. Yeah, exactly. so, like, yeah, because at that point he didn't know that all of his people had been wiped out because the Fire Lord at the time was like, well, we know that the Avatar after Avatar Roku, who was a firebender, would be a airbender based on the progression so they just wiped out all of the air temples to try and stop the next avatar from being made and then to try and stop the avatar line essentially mm. he is the last the, airbender. Last, airbender. the last airbender yeah it's it's really sad when he goes to the temple and he goes into like the rooms and stuff where they all were and sees like firebender bodies and he then he sees like what he thinks is monk gyatso his mentor like their their body there that had been singed because everything had been set on fire and whatever but then like the the beautiful moment of finding momo one of the last air fauna that had been left from that attack he found momo there in the temple so not only does he have appa the last sky bison but now he has the last monkey lim lima. Lima. It it's, it's a lima something. Like lima squirrel or flying yeah. flying lima or something. Yeah, because like all of the animals in there have two oh. animals, pretty much, except for Bosco the bear. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, you mean like a platypus bear? No, it just says bear. Just a bear. What do you mean just bear? And oh, it's so good. <laughs> mm. Love the first season, but it is a hard watch, I think. But it's a necessary watch. Yeah, it was. It was definitely my least favorite because i felt like there was too much just jarring stuff happened because it just did yeah uh, some stuff felt like it happened just because they it wanted needed to yeah like they wanted that to happen for the story but maybe didn't completely make sense for why people would even do that yeah 
but yeah, it happened either way. So what happens is they go to find Aang um, master for waterbending because Katara knows waterbending, but she's the only waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe. So they're going to go to the Northern Water Tribe. So that's why they're on their adventure. And when they go to the Northern Water Tribe, I gotta say, what the fuck happened to the Southern Water Tribe that they had to look like right. nothing was going on there? And then the Northern Water Tribe are like castles and shit. They're like living. <laughs> it's the Southern Water Tribe's like four buildings. They're mud huts. And then much. a little mound. But like, and that's obviously not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm kind of like, well, they make the, the, they make the Water Tribe look tiny. Like the, the Southern Water Tribe looks like five people pretty much live there. Mm. And I know that a lot of them got wiped out. A lot of the waterbenders from that tribe got wiped out rather than just regular Joes that lived there, right? And I know that half of the men are off at war, but it still seems like there's, you know, five, ten people living in the Southern Water Tribe, but then the Northern Water Tribe is bustling and there's people oh. everywhere. And I'm like, what happened to you guys? <laughs> I, I really like the way they did the Northern Water Tribe. There's obviously issues, but there's issues everywhere where um, there's prejudice and people don't understand other people and... Women have to do the healing and the looking after people and the men are the fighters. That and... stuff, that stuff is so cool. The way that they talk about all of that stuff, like, here is a woman's role and Katara actively being like, fuck you, I, I'm a waterbender and I'm going to fight because that's what I need to do. I need to be able to protect the people that I love and yes, healing is valid and yes, there's a place for that and yes, I want to learn that, but don't tell me that I can't fight. Like, I... And I just, oh, I love when she's fighting the person who is revealed to be her grandma's, like, first love or arranged marriage. Yeah. And she shows how powerful she is, even though she hasn't, you know, she hasn't mastered waterbending, but she's, like, so... She's got that she's, raw power. Yeah, she is born powerful. And, like, oh, it's so cool just watching her fight and be epic. I'm just like, oh, Katara, I love you. My favorite was the uh, water discus, like, yes. ice, like, pew, 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 like, flicking plates at them and stuff. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah, so I, I love that kind of talk. It's always with Katara that I feel like it happens. It happens with soccer too, but I think it more happens with Katara because it's personal to her, where she has the conversation with people that she has to, she has to prove herself that or prove to people that women deserve to have the same respect and rights as men but like to have that conversation aimed at children who are 11 to 15 years old i think that's an incredible conversation to be having and to put in the minds of people that of course women should have the same rights and the same access yeah as as everyone else why not no they did it well because it was definitely showing what the world i suppose still Somewhere, yeah. sometimes is and definitely used to 100% hardcore B. Yeah. And it's like, but you, we're showing it from a different perspective. And like, yeah, there's, it's cool. There's fire and there's fighting and all that. So, you know, stereotypically that's going to get those uh, boyish boys, you know, involved in that show. Yeah. But it shows the other perspective of like, hey, but this isn't very fair, is it? Yeah. And that's good because it can get those young minds that are watching this go... Wait, yeah, that's not fair. And it's, Why not? it's not even, it's not shown in a way that's like they're doing it just to say it. They show yeah. it in a way that really makes sense for the show and it really makes sense for the story. Um, oh, I, I think like kids wouldn't have go, even, oh, this yeah. is like they're trying to push. Yeah, like, they're trying a, to push a narrative. Their agenda, you yeah. know. No, it, it's only because, you know, we are technically adults that 
we've picked up on that. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't pick up on it when I was a child. I just thought that Katara was cool and I wanted to be her. <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of powerful women in the show. One of the next women that we meet in the show is Suki and the Kyoshi warriors <gasps> in the on Kyoshi Island in the Earth Kingdom, who are by far my favorite characters in the show outside of Iroh, who is king. <laughs> Praise be Iroh. I, I love Suki more than like anything. Oh, sorry, we completely skipped over a part of the Northern Water Tribe that I wanted to talk about. Oh. Which was Sokka's other <gasps> love interest. <gasps> We'll come back to that because I want to talk about Suki for five seconds and then it's going to give a bit more context for when Yue comes around. All right. So before they go to the... It's before they go to the Northern Water Tribe, right? It Uh, it has to be, yeah. They make a stopover in Kyoshi Island. I don't even remember why at this point. It must have just been on the way. Oh, Uh, No, it's because he wanted to go ride the giant koi. That's right! And then they find out there's trouble there and they have to go help them. Suki and the Kyoshi warriors are all warriors who fight for one of the past avatars, Kyoshi, who was an earthbender. And they all fight with like fans and and stuff like that. They like have really cool martial art things. And Sokka is enamored by them. He's just like, oh my God, they're so cool. And he's like, he has this moment where he's like, they're women though. Like where are the men that are fighting? And I love how they handle like dude like it doesn't matter that we're women like we're obviously still powerful and they beat him and then he wants to like he wants to be them because he's like fuck they're so cool i still don't understand how suki gives him the time of day but (laughs) she loves him and then they leave and that's pretty much like the intro to the kyoshi warriors we see them for a bit and then we just can't keep hearing about them after they Mm. travel again and then yeah they meet yue who is the princess in the northern water tribe and she, when she was born, was born without a voice. So she, she couldn't cry. Uh, yeah, and she was dying. And yeah, she was dying. And then the moon spirit saved her life. And they'd always known that she was going to be used in some way because she got a second chance at life. Yeah, and her hair turned all white and everything like that because she was touched by the moon spirit. Yeah, and then when the Fire Nation attacked them... She has to sacrifice herself to become the moon spirit when one of the Fire Nation generals attacks the yin and yang, which I think is the water spirit and the moon spirit who yeah. live in their sanctuary there, which is so sad. It's Everything's done really quickly. Like I feel like we're in the Northern Water Tribe for maybe three episodes, max, maybe two. It's not very long. Not very long at all. So like it is really rushed, Sokka and Yue's love. But he does really love her and he's really like hurt by it for the rest Falls of the show. Hard. It's but it's kind of really nice that it's something that's part of his story and it affects his story, but it doesn't like stop him from doing things, but he still like respects her and like Yeah. She's a moon spirit, so she still exists, but like she's just not present there. Yeah, it it, it affects his story for the rest of the show as well. I think it makes him a much better person. Yeah. Um, even though he's lost his mum. And and so he's lost people. Like he he knows that feeling of losing people. He says in the show, you know, like I lost my mom, but uh, Katara was there right away and stepped into that role. So sometimes I don't ever even remember my mom. So sometimes I don't feel the hurt of having lost her because Katara is that for me now. Mm. So I think he needed someone else who was close to him in a different capacity that didn't look like a mom figure to him. Yeah, that's weird for him to. Uh, <laughs> That's rough, buddy. Um, for him to grow as a character and 
yeah, respect women more and respect loss and lives and things and fight in yeah. a different way. Now I think it's it's good because you know she's betrothed an arranged marriage to this absolute bastard. He's yeah. just a pompous dickhead. And what ends up happening is you know Sokka treats her like just a person, not a princess. Yeah, because and well, that's also because they're country bumpkins. They keep mentioning it in the show that they're country bumpkins, but we don't really see it until we meet someone who's more important than them, right? Yeah, and then so you're like, he oh, just, he, I think he treats her like an old person because south. he doesn't know how... Yeah, he's from the south, the deep south. <laughs> Fucking deep south. Um, <laughs> nah, the north, mate. <laughs> yeah, like, I think he, he truly doesn't know how to talk to a royal. Yeah, and and... But it's I nice think she her. appreciates that. Yeah. She really appreciates that. And then she's like, I can't. I'm betrothed and I need to marry an absolute dickhead. And he's like, hey, I'm a different kind of dickhead. And then she's like, <laughs> you got a point. And then she's like, BRB got to die. Anyway, so she becomes the moon and he's really sad. And every time he looks at the moon, he's like, sup. I love you and I miss you. I love you and I miss you so much. Where? Yeah. Um, no, that is really sad that I wish... I think it would have hit harder as well if Yue was around longer. I think she so was too. barely there. I think if they knew about Yue before, maybe, or if, if they knew something, like maybe Aang told them a story about. Well, no, Aang wouldn't. He even wouldn't know. know. Yeah, but he might know from the spirits because you know he starts talking to the spirits. That's so true. That's he, true. Like if someone had told him before they got there or before they were called to go there i suppose there was something about the moon spirit that was yeah to then know more about her and to have more of a connection to her yeah but it's still sad and like they treat it really well and like in in flashbacks and things like that and or in kind of mental anguish moments for the characters it's always ua that comes up for soccer which is nice yeah sad but nice that they did that narratively yeah Anyway. I'm and then pretty... we go on. Yeah, I think it's book two, which is Earth. So once Aang has become proficient in water, which happens nearly immediately. It's like he's the Avatar or something. Yeah. <laughs> he realizes that he can learn from Katara. So Katara kind of becomes his uh, master of waterbending. And they move on to the Earth Kingdom so he can start learning to earthbend, which is the air elements natural opposite so mm. it's it's something that he really has to to learn like it's a real struggle to learn whereas like water and air they're kind of hand in hand and fire and air there's something about it that's very similar and he can pick up but earth is just so different mm. and the way it's used is so different similar to like of course understandably fire and water opposites mm. they don't quite get along you know water puts out fire fire boils water so they have to make a travel to the biggest fucking city in the world, but it's a long, long way to Barcelona. <laughs> and the girls in the city, they look so pretty. <laughs> now that song brought to you by Iroh, king of everything. King. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing about Iroh's connection to Barcelona is that he was meant to conquer it. So before his brother became the Fire Lord, when their father was the Fire Lord, Iroh was meant to be the next Fire Lord. And part of what he was meant to do as a general was to conquer it and take it over for the Fire Nation. And because he failed that, his brother took over his spot yeah. right after his son died. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the worst fucking part. And it shows how heartless the people that were in power at the Fire Nation were. 
Because when he was trying to conquer Ba Sing Se, his son died in the fight. Yeah. So Iroh's like, I'm sad. My only son has died. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, cool, you have feelings. You're weak. Yeah. His fucking son died. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, ah, nah, disgrace. Disgrace on you. Go. And like, so then he's like, okay, like, that's fine. If I'm that, going to play that means... show and drink tea, bitch. <laughs> oh my God. Like, what a life. <laughs> I don't know. I want to learn how to play show. Me too. But yeah, so while they're going to Ba Sing Se, they go to a bunch of different lands where we hear about a beautiful song about the town or, or city of Omashu. On their travels, they have to go down a secret tunnel. A secret tunnel? <laughs> oh my god. Through the mountains. <laughs> and that's kind of where Aang finds out about the first Earthbenders, which are mole. Badger moles. Badger moles, that's it. I was like, what is, what's the other animal they're fused with? Badger moles, but they're the size of like three elephants. Yeah. He sees them changing the tunnels that they're walking through, which is what kept the tunnel secret for the secret lovers, Omar and Shu, to keep their love secret. When they were, I think they're from opposite cities. Yeah. It's kind of it like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Very much so. It's The story of that is very beautiful. The song's just fucking, it slaps. It slaps. And Omashu is ruled by probably the coolest person ever, King Boomy, who oh. is from Aang's past. Yeah, he old as fuck. Because, yeah, so <laughs> King Boomy was Aang's friend from when they were kids. When they meet, they obviously don't know who each other are. But then through story, they find out who they are, and Boomy's still as fucking insane as he was when he was a kid. And how he became king, no one really knows. <laughs> do, you, do you know what i never actually thought of that until now mm. <laughs> how did they appoint king boomy to be king in what but see this is a thing with the earth kingdom they seem to have a lot of figureheads that are fucked like yeah <laughs> the i earth, get that the earth kingdom itself is seems not grounded <laughs> well i I think they would be very grounded, funny, ha uh -huh. uh -huh. if like it one? wasn't for the Fire Nation being there. Because, like, the whole reason why anyone acts out, like, you know, there are, there's militia that are trying to stop earthbenders from bending, or they use earthbending for their gain and things, that are earthbenders themselves, or, or earth kingdom people themselves. But because they're doing it for the Fire Nation or doing it f to gain something from the Fire Nation. So it's corrupted because of the Fire Nation. So I think they would be very chill and stuff as a nation without that. Which is why I think it makes sense that they have kind of more eccentric leaders. I feel like eccentric still, though, is an understatement for Boomy. <laughs> He's great, though, like in a very unexpected chaos way. And I just can't explain him. The weirdest part, I think, to him, like in the first kind of bit of meeting King Boomy, is the fact that he's ripped. Oh, like, yeah. All of the old men are ripped in this show. Oh, I my don't God. know what they were thinking when they made this show, but they were just like, let's make old men hot. <laughs> I, do, I see, I don't, I want to know how, like, sort of age works for everyone there because. <laughs> Clearly, the women turn into little little dough balls, and the men turn into well, Hotman King Hotman, <laughs> like King Boomy, for example. He's got to be what 112 or so. 
Oh, yeah, at least. And he's like, what? He's like Schwarzenegger, but with one eye bigger than the other. It's just, it's incredible. It's, ah, yeah. You know? So I don't know how that happens, but yeah, he a beefcake. Yeah. And of course, do you know who was another very old beefcake that we all adore? Iroh. Iroh. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So by the time they're in the Earth Kingdom, the Fire Nation are evolving, I suppose. In the second book or, or season, that's when we meet Azula, who is Zuko's sister. Oh, my God. Who is... Oh, my God. Her character is so wild. A lot of people really like Azula. And to me, there is nothing likable about her. She's pretty. You can give her that. But there is nothing likable about her. She is the definition of a psychopath. Yeah. She has little a little army around her because they're scared of her. And then there's Mei and Tai Lee, who are her friends from growing up. And they just follow her because they were friends growing up. And yeah, they... and she's the one that spoke the loudest. Yeah. So she's the leader. And they kind of have it's like an internalized imperialism, kind of. You know, they, they just go along with whatever the Fire Nation has taught them and they haven't questioned it. So that's kind of why Azula can get away with what she does other than being the princess. With them, she, they, she can get away with whatever because of kind of how they just like, oh, well, that's just the Fire Nation, you know? Like, that's how we've grown up. And she just is fucked. At any chance that she can, she will manipulate someone into doing something for her or for her gain or whatever. She'll throw out people who don't assist her. It would be very interesting to see her dark triad. I mean, <laughs> it would be interesting, but it would just confirm what we already believe, Oh, I yeah. Think. Like, I... So for the for her like little posse, like her little gang that hangs around her, Ty Lee and May. Yeah. May is like depresso queen. <laughs> yeah. And Ty Lee is like a uh, ball of I'm, sunshine. Oh, I'm just so happy and beautiful. And why do all these boys want to buy me drinks? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so much like that it is painful. Mm. And I it, like, if you told me it is canon. That when they were younger, Azula murdered May's pets just to see what the animals look like in pain. I would I be would like, yeah, it. okay, that that makes sense. That confirms it for me. Yeah, because she is like, she's definitely hurt and murdered people and animals while she was young just because she's curious yeah i mean you can kind of see that in how she treated zuko when she was younger and that's part oh, yeah. of why zuko feels like he has to prove himself so much because he's not like them at all like he's he's like them but it's not him and he knows it's not him ultimately being cruel and stuff is just it's not in his nature and it takes a lot for iroh to try and teach him that that's not in his nature or, or mm. show him that there's more than being like the fire nation yeah you don't have to follow in your father's footsteps zuko was a lot like his mum. he was closer to his mother yeah and azula definitely closer to her father yeah and for some reason zuko wanted to be closer to his father so therefore he's just a little shit yeah and Azula's like, no, you haven't murdered our neighbor yet. So, you know, you can't be close to father. <laughs> yeah. And father's like, your sister's got a point. <laughs> oh, Agni Kai, burn you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. It's, it's obvious that, yeah, he is a lot closer and 
stuff to his mother but is still very confused because, you know, his mother went away when he was younger. Yeah. And by went away, we don't really know what happened. We still don't know what happened. But some bad shit happened. Yeah. And Azula, in classic Azula phase, is like, ha-ha, lol, mum's gone. Mum's gone, she left you. Yeah, ha-ha, she ha-ha. can't, she's not here to protect you. What are you going to do, cry to mum? No, nah, you can't, because she can't cry anymore, because she may or may not be dead. Yeah. And I find this <laughs> hilarious for some reason. I, yeah, like, I mean, we don't know why the mum, well, we know why the mum left pretty much. Yeah, it's kind like we of, sort of do, we but We assume not she was really. banished or killed. To protect Zuko. To protect Zuko, yeah. Yeah, from being killed himself. Yeah, from dad. And so, shit. So. And she, she took his place, but we don't know in what capacity. And it's, I think, from Azula that we mostly get the thought that she died. Because Azula's trying to play with Zuko because she thinks yeah. it's funny. Because she's happy, so therefore someone has died. Yeah. <laughs> Her character's really interesting in how she shapes the... The country. So when they eventually do get to Ba Sing Se, she infiltrates Ba Sing Se as one of the Kyoshi warriors, and they eventually kind of take over Ba Sing Se and do what Iroh was never able to do for the Fire Nation. Mm. And that's, I think, when things get really fucked up and when she goes on more of a power trip because she's able to manipulate the already very corrupt government in Ba Sing Se to do her bidding and I think that's when yeah she gets a real power trip and she's just like well the daily fight for me so what are you gonna do Zuko (laughs) that was too accurate I hated that But yeah, so there's this one guy that's in charge of the Daily, which is sort of like the like the Secret Service yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, the, the, the king is a figurehead and the military are what control Barsing say. Dumb figurehead. He is oblivious to everything <laughs> and he has a bare full stop. He's such a baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what He's... even happens to the king at the end of the show? We don't know. He just he leaves, leaves and goes on a little trip, but we don't know what happens. Yeah, after he's like, the war. hey, I want to go adventuring with my bear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bye. And then runs off. <laughs> it's like, you dude, you're still a king of a city. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. It, oh, it's just so Good luck, confusing. everybody else. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time. And then she convinces the Dai Li to fight for her as opposed to their person. Yeah. And Imprisons like they... the guy that oriz- originally looked after them. And then manipulates him to think that she's on his side. Yeah. And all... Oh my God. But yeah, pretty much the king of, the, of Ba Sing Se and of the Earth Kingdom doesn't even know there's been a war for the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. That's how much of a secret they've been keeping from him. He's just happy he has a bear. Like, that's literally his life. Because there are agents running around the city to try and shush up anyone who talks about the war. Mm. And these walls that are around Ba Sing Se, which Ba Sing Se is, is... It looks like a country on its own, but the walls around it kind of look like if anyone has ever seen Attack on Titan, there are two walls around the city. The outer wall kind of is like pastures and stuff like that and obviously the wall is to keep the titans out but in Ba Sing Se they have that and then the inner wall is where the kind of bottom row of, of people are the people that are the refugees or the poor and stuff Lower are in that socioeconomic yeah and then as the levels go higher up to the palace they are better off so you know there'll be the people that own you know, restaurants and things will be in the up an upper ring, and then the higher ring is the diplomats and and the royalty and things like that. Do you know who gets into the upper ring? Our good old king of everything, Iro. He, he opens up his own tea shop. 
It's fantastic. Because he's so good at making tea that these rich oh. people are like, open up a tea shop in the upper ring, motherfucker. And he's just like, I get a new life now. He's like, can I name the tea shop? And they're like, yeah, of course. And he's like, oh. okay, I'll do it. Yeah, and he's like coming up with stupid names. And Zuko's like, I need to go find an avatar because I'm still a moody bitch. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, he's just so cute because Zuko's still worried about his honor. And Iroh's there going, but like tea, my dude. And honestly, when you said, it, when you said Zuko's honor, you said it like honor, and I thought it was like um, <laughs> No, 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 like like a woman, like in Japanese, you know, like the uh, kuchisake onna, oh. like the the lady with the the cut mouth and stuff right. from a few episodes ago. <laughs> You say from a few episodes. That was the a second few podcast episode. episodes ago. <laughs> that was the second the Halloween podcast episode. episode. <laughs> Good old corpse reviver. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it's just uh, he runs a tea shop, and he's an absolute blessing, and we love him. We haven't even talked about the coolest person from the Earth Kingdom, who's my favorite part of the gang. Oh yeah. Toph. Toph Beifong, who is the coolest person ever, in my humble opinion. Even better than Suki, which is hard for me to say because you know how much I love Suki. Knock, knock, knock. Iroh would like to talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Toph, well, actually, it, it involves Iroh, but Toph is a little blind girl. She's, I think she's the same age as Aang, so she'd be about 12. She comes from a very rich family, but because she's blind, everyone kind of believes less of her. Like, she can't amount to a regular person because she is disabled, which is so fucked. Fun fact, she's the strongest fucking earthbender in the entire world and mm -hmm. runs an underground fighting ring where she is the champion. And <laughs> Yeah, she's like the undefeated champion yeah. and all this. And, and this is yet another case that, you know, Avatar is beyond its time. Yeah. Because... People would, and even her own family would look down on her and not even give her opportunities because they believe she can't do something rather than seeing uh, yeah, if she can do it. Yeah, loving her enough to give her the opportunity enough to see what she can do. Yeah, it, it is, it's insane. So she can see effectively with her earthbending. She ran away from home when she was younger and learned how to earthbend from the badger moles, which we talked about a little bit earlier, mm. because they understood her because she was blind. So she was able to learn how to look after herself and how to see and how to stop, listen, and then act. Yeah. Um, as an earthbender, which is what Aang needed to learn. So Toph becomes Aang's like earthbender, earthbender master. master. Yeah. Sifu Toph. <laughs> yeah. And to make it more obvious as well, the badger moles are blind as well. So they've got that aspect from the moles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they also, and they're like, hey, you can't see either. Hey, let's like, you know, show you how we see. And, you know, they're the first earthbenders they're the nature's first earthbenders yeah similar to the sky bison uh which ang yeah. has is Upper. yeah oh my god Upper. so ble such a blessing he's yeah. got the biggest eyes and i just love them mm. and um they are the first airbenders yeah. within nature so you know that's where people first learnt these things from so she learnt you know from the source which is you know? so cool which is apparently what they all kind of strive for like in each elemental kingdom that's obviously what they would want i don't remember who they say the water yeah yeah I is don't... it the is it like the the big koi or is it the 
the is eel it the big thing, thing that ate the, the koi? The <laughs> serpent in Serpent's Park. No, that's in the Earth Kingdom. I I don't I can't think of what the 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 water one is. But the fire is the dragons, mm. which they thought were all wiped out uh, by Iroh. Funnily enough, yeah, and we'll get to that in third book. Yeah, so I think kind of where we are now, having introduced the characters, we can probably move on to the third book. Oh shit, here we are in book two in the Earth Kingdom. Zuko goes through his kind of big character arc moment where he starts to realize that he's not bad or he's maybe not as evil as he thought he was and for like three or four episodes he acts really nice and it's such a change and it's scary almost it's you can't trust how nice he is for a little bit and then he kind of goes through it again he helps some earth kingdom people from corrupt earthbenders and then when he comes back azula is completely in power of basing say and azula manipulates him into believing that if he comes back with her he will regain his honor and he's stupid enough to have gone through that character development and still be manipulated by Azula to go back home to the Fire Nation. Yeah. To and get his honor. Yeah, see the thing is like he actually went through such a big thing where he fell into a like, like a, a coma. Almost. Like a coma, like a fever, like a high fever because he was going through so much like inner turmoil because he's realized not only that he's not as bad as he thought but he doesn't have to be as bad. Mm, and there's something it's not really explained in the in that episode at least. But it is explained in the third season which I remembered when we just watched it. Mm. Where the origin of what brings him power is his fight to go get the avatar and regain his honor. That is his ultimate goal. And when he stops being so evil and stops realizing that, like, you know, that's that's what he needs to do and he needs to start living his life. He loses his power and that's why he goes through such a, like, a fever and a, and a, and a sickness. Which, yeah, it's not explained at that moment, but then it's explained later when he yeah. stops being able to use fire for a while. But that, that comes up later. Yeah. yeah. But again, you know, Azula is a master manipulator and she did say the H word to him and honor and he was just like oh my god yes oh i love that oh my god daddy can love me again did you say honor i will be back on the boat now (laughs) fucking it's really sad and and i think the reason why it's really sad is because iroh is like fuck we went through so much so much work and we're back at the start effectively and the the thing that hurts the most when he does because iroh's like hey i'm gonna help Aang get out of here alive yeah. And he's like, come on, Zuko, we need to protect Aang in this. Aang, because we know that's that's now what we're fighting for. You know, uh, Zuko had saved Appa. Appa got kidnapped by some sandbenders and sold in Ba Sing Se. And Zuko found Appa and released Appa instead of killing him because he was like, well, I'm going to do the right thing. This this isn't going to make me happy, ultimately. So, Made Appa happy. It, yeah. So, and that's kind of what pushes Zuko to go into his fever character development. I was just going to say, and this, honestly, even just hearing this is going to hurt you Mm. because it is the ultimate slap in the face. Because all the time when Zuko, when he finally goes through his big change, Mm. because of that, he's like, damn it, my uncle hates me because I went against him here. Yeah, at the end of book two, he, like, completely betrays Iroh. Yeah. Who he loves by the end of that. Like, he is in 
completely respects him and loves him. Yeah. And, just, and he's like, you're my dad. Like, yeah, you're my effectively dad, yeah. my dad. <laughs> like, and he's like, you hate me because of this. And Iroh says the most painful thing. I'm paraphrasing here. But he <laughs> practically says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. And that's the ultimate, ooh. It's like a I lightning wrote. to the back. Which <laughs> <ended>. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so now moving on to book three, putting people where they need to be. Zuko is with Azula in the Fire Nation. He is being the Fire Nation prince that he had always wanted to He's be. honor pouring out of everything. Yeah, every orifice honor is pouring out of. He's got um, a little emo goth girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, May and him are together properly now, and he gets a seat at the right-hand side of his father, and and he's got all he's ever wanted, so what could go wrong? Oh, character development went wrong, and it means that he now feels things and feels bad when he realizes that the things he's always wanted were not what he's always wanted, and he's done all of these things in his life to lead up to this moment to realize that that's not what he actually wanted. Papa, who was right? <laughs> it was Iroh. <laughs> Jeez, we stand Iroh. Iroh, also, being in jail now, yeah, Iroh has been imprisoned. And he is going insane and he's like really kooky and like mm, food, blah, 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 like not talking and stuff. And we didn't quite realize, and this is just like a little fun side note, and we didn't realize at the beginning. Mm. And we looked it up that oh, yeah. at the end of book two, obviously before season three started recording and stuff, the voice actor for Iroh had passed away. Uh, yeah. Which is very, very sad, but it sort of explains why Iroh didn't have as many lines, yeah. I suppose, in book three. I think they treated it really well. They, yeah. So in book three, they really don't show Iroh very much, and I think originally they had planned to show him much more in some capacity, but I think they they made his character a little different to account for, yeah, having lost the voice of Iroh. Because Iroh is very, talks in riddles, he talks in kind of like um, nice inspirational messages, and losing his voice does change that. It, it, when he started talking in season three, I remember you were like, wait, that doesn't sound like Iroh. It and sounded so off. It sounds like someone impersonating Iroh, but it also kind of sounds like nearly Latin. Like they went a little bit with a, like a Latin accent yeah. instead of a an Asian kind of accent. Or someone doing a poor Asian accent, which is, yeah. I think, worse. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, they didn't give him very many lines. Um, Pro props to the person that filled those shoes, though, because very big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, I, I can't recall the name of the actor at the moment. Mm. Um. But as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh, yeah, I know you. Yeah. I've, I've heard your voice in other things and stuff. And he, he was a very prominent actor, but it is very sad. And so props to the voice actor that did take on those lines and stuff. I think they handled it as best as they could. Yeah, definitely. It's sad that they couldn't make Iroh as, as big a character in that season because of it. But I think what they did with Iroh was not a waste at all. And I think that they, oh, no. they definitely did him justice in the end. So Yeah. But yeah. So season three is they're mostly moving through the Fire Nation. So Aang and the gang, or the the gang, um, um, kind of team Avatar. Their team Avatar are kind of making their way through the Fire Nation, making my way downtown. They have met up with the Katara and Sokka's dad by this point, and they are now fully um, 
planning their kind of D-Day on the Fire Nation, which at this point is when there's going to be a solar eclipse, with they, which they learn in the last season that there's going to be a solar eclipse, which will yeah. take out the Firebender's powers. They kind of know this because during a lunar eclipse... Uh, a similar thing happens to the waterbenders, who the the waterbenders ha- gain their source of power from the moon. Firebenders gain their source from the sun, and yeah, it's uh, it's so wild. So they're like, let's make a D Day that day, so I can fight the Fire Lord and we can end the war. And we get some really incredible lines through the third season. I think it's Open. in the second episode, which is the most important to me. When Aang is trying to blend in with the Fire Nation in the way that he would have a hundred years ago, he starts using language that they used back in the day. They're like, Flamio, Hotman! And he just Mm. kind of like, yeah, he calls the the Fire Nation Hotman. And it's just so funny. He's just standing by a window like, Hotman? Hotman? It's just so funny. And everyone's looking at him like, what are you talking about yeah like everyone is like dude you're so weird but it is really wild that they they move through the fire nation the whole time and they're more or less unseen as the avatar yeah because if you know it's very much i think the superman effect yeah which is he put a hat on on put on a hat to hide your (laughs) arrow on your head or have hair and there you go. They're like, wait, who are you? Mm. And, you know, sort of like Clark Kent put on glasses and they're like, yeah. you can't be Superman. Superman doesn't have glasses. Yeah. But oh, it's just so funny. And I think another part with the whole Hopman episode that I just want to touch on mm. is they steal a whole bunch of clothing to try and blend in better. Yeah. And he steals a school, school uniform. uniform. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up getting thrown in school. Because people think he's, like, dodging school. And he starts, like, getting to know that aspect and being a kid again. And how their history is taught to them. Yeah, and how it's wrong, because he was there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because he starts teaching the youth of the Fire Nation, like, you don't have to be like this. You can have fun. Like, you know, You'd, they yeah, don't want exactly. you to have fun, but you can. You can do what you want. And that's cool because that's what we are needing to do today, you know, teach the youth that what is now doesn't have to be. Exactly. I I think as an adult, having watched this season, seeing the parallels between... See, I I know that it's based off of mostly Asian history, like this show, and I'm going to talk about it after we get through kind of the synopsis of the show and our initial thoughts of watching when i watched that part i really saw like the hitler youth i saw a very manipulated young people and how they thought they had to be and uh, how they were being taught a history that was true to them but not true and it was really a and this is something that's true even of australia like we were talking about it in the lamington episode about how our history is written by the the victors and it might not be written in a way that is entirely truthful to the people that were hurt and like it's really apparent when ang's like well no this is not what happened or this is not the motivation or so there's a point where they kind of justify why the Fire Nation fought their air nomads. And they say that, you know, they went there with a fight and they, you know, had to fight against the air nomads essentially in their home, which first of all is red flags, because why do you need to go to someone's home to fight them when they're clearly not posing a threat to you in terms of they're not at your doorstep, you're at their doorstep, yeah. you know? And Aang was like, well, it wasn't like a fight. It was an ambush because the air nomads didn't have weapons. They uh, they didn't have any way of fighting the Fire Nation at all. 
Yeah, it's uh, genocide. And it's yeah, it's it's not a, a war at that point. It's a complete genocide. And and it's at that little difference in wording that changes the entire narrative, which I think is really powerful to have shown in the show, especially to young impressionable minds, to show how easy it is to make a narrative seem very different without changing much wording, which I really liked about yeah. the show. I think they really handled that stuff really well. But I think outside of that within that kind of similar episode is they showed not only how the the fire nation is being manipulated from a young age but how not everyone in the fire nation is like the instructors the military the, mm, the uh, people in the, power the, the, yeah exactly like <laughs> and that yeah like because you know he was like but some of my like you know i used to enjoy hanging friends. out and best friends that were in the like fire nation it wasn't bad i don't i don't get this yeah i don't get how there's such a divide i don't get how people now hate each other or think differently about each other we all lived in harmony yeah and it's just because what you're told and if 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 someone's louder then they're gonna get their message across more yeah in that episode soccer has some real battles with himself about being the only person in the team avatar <laughs> that <laughs> is without a bending power and he feels really inadequate and as sad as it is as a viewer to watch someone see all these people that are really cool and not knowing their place it's like you can kind of you can really understand how he feels that way but at the same time you're like you know you've done so much for this group just because you're not powerful in that way doesn't mean that you're not useful mm. but he needs to find that to feel like he has the confidence to be useful and he finds his own master which is the coolest episode it's one of my most favorite episodes it is a ever, really cool episode where he learns to be a swordsman swordsman yeah from a fire nation sword master the Ugh. one thing i love about that episode is because he's like hey i need to come and learn the way of the sword from him yeah and the like caretaker the like butler or whatever of this guy is like yeah okay here's another one yeah like my uh, he doesn't take on pupils really like you really have like to ever. impress him <laughs> to yeah to take for him to take you on yeah so he went there and he went up to him and he's like all right tell me why why are you so great why do i deserve to treat uh teach you and soccer goes because i'm not good I need to learn. I'm not the best. Like I, yeah, he's like, I'm not like, worthy of your I'm, yeah. teaching, but like I respect you so much and I would love the opportunity pretty much. And that's why he takes him on because everyone else goes Tries there and to says, prove themselves. I'm the best and I should learn because I'm the greatest in my... And he's like, I'm not. Yeah. But I want to be. Yeah. And I, I love that because it's so subtle, but it shows that you don't have to be strong to become strong. And you know, you can have yeah. weaknesses. Weaknesses aren't a weakness to an extent. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making much sense, but you get me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. It's just, it's a weakness is a way to learn how to make something else a strength if you can't strengthen that weakness. It's, yeah. it's a way of being able to mold yourself. And like the only criticism that I have with that, and now especially watching the ending, is that even though, so at the end of that episode when Sokka is talking to his master and, and his master is like, very easily you will become a master one day and you'll be in my position. Like, you, I see that in you because I see that you understand how to be a master. Like, you, there's something inherent in you that I see. The only thing is, is that in the end, 
And maybe it's just because it's in the end and they didn't need to do it narratively. It doesn't look like it had a huge impact on that final fight. The only thing that really had an impact on that final fight and the the kind of the way that story progression happened was his relationship with his dad, which I think both of those things really impacted how Sokka's character was developed. But, like, he wanted to be his dad. He wanted to emulate his dad, right? Like, his dad gave a, a beautiful war speech to encourage everyone, and Sokka really wanted to have that, and he wanted to he wanted to empower his people, and he wanted to be someone who could guide his people. And then, like, in the end, he didn't use his sword. Pretty much. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it was Toph that fought, or Osuki that fought. He just guided people, which is yeah. fine, and that's, and that's part of what he learned from his dad. He did, and, and I suppose, yeah, he did end up losing his sword. Sad he by, did, by I was so sword. sad about it. Goodbye, space sword. <laughs> um, but he he's definitely... Uh, yeah, I think he learned more than just fighting with a sword from that, which yeah, is yeah. great. And the other thing which sort of goes back to the whole Hopman episode and stuff like that, is at the end of, near the end of that episode, it comes out that they are from the Water Tribe. Yeah. And the Swords Master's like, how dare you? I'm going to fight you and kill you. Ah, and starts fighting him and Sokka's freaking out and like trying to use like his strength of screaming and running away and like jumping <laughs> around and stuff, like his agility yeah. over an older opponent and stuff like that. And the whole time they're fighting, his master's like, sweet, yes, you're doing Incredible. this. Incredible. Well you're doing done. incredibly. You're thinking like a swordsman. And then he stops. Yeah. And he says, well done. Like, I always knew you were from the Water Tribe, but I wanted to train you anyway because you didn't care about that, you know? It's not like... Yeah. You... And, it, and it shows that there are Fire Nation people that aren't... More Fire Nation people that aren't bad, even elders. Yes, yes. People that have been, who have grown up in it for a long time. Yeah. And are still not what they were taught to be for a long time. Especially someone who's, you know, a master swordsman who would have done fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. He would have been in that kind of place of corruption. Yeah. That brought me onto a, a thought train. <laughs> that choo-choo. Uh, it could go either way in the conversation. A lot of the women in the show are powerful and frightening. And that really could go either way. But I think in the show, they were showing that women can be powerful and frightening. So I'm, I, what I am thought of after talking about that was how they show a lot of the men and the old men where they could be old, powerful. You know, a lot of them are kind of more than they seem other than the obviously very bad people. But there are women who are very powerful and evil, right? So one of the people that kind of cloaks themselves as being a nice person is this old waterbender who came from the southern water tribe oh. who was one of the last waterbenders in the southern water tribe she was imprisoned by the fire nation in one of the like last attacks that wiped out the the waterbenders and escaped and then has been living amongst the fire nation people for the rest of her life and she teaches katara one of the most i guess evil it's not evil completely it's only evil if it's used in an evil way so i want to say that but yeah. it's bloodbending and, it, and that's something we haven't really talked about that is beyond the element themselves you can 
bend outside of just that element. So like there's sand bending for earth benders, there's metal bending for earth benders, blood bending for water benders, lightning for fire. lightning for fire. Yeah, and we don't really know much about earth because Ang's the only one and he only air. knows air. But yeah, so blood bending makes sense because there's water within the body and blood bending is essentially a way to control people because you can control their movements and stuff and what's crazy about that is that yeah she is so clearly hurt and frustrated by how she was treated by the fire nation she's been taking it out on them and whatever but she shows that even people who are seen to be good have the capacity to be bad so like not just the fire nation but other people have the capacity to be bad on their of their own volition kind mm. of and she has every right to be angry at the fire nation for sure because they imprisoned her they killed her people but she is a powerful and evil person and in a similar way azula is potentially the most evil person and extremely powerful like more powerful than zuko more powerful than katara more powerful than toph azula is insanity you know literally yeah. and figuratively insanity in terms yeah, of her and, power and i think her power a lot like what what i see her power as is not just beyond raw power because she definitely has the raw power but she doesn't care about how it affects other people mm. which makes her even more powerful yeah. because the old lady that's the waterbender that does blood bending she's terrifying because she can manipulate and does manipulate other people she's like giving them a taste of their own medicine like she's yeah. imprisoning them just like she they imprison her but it's not them it's just other fire nation people so she's just yeah. taking it out on people that had fire nothing to do with it like she does i think she does try to find some people that have to do with her being in prison but i think for the most part it's people that had absolutely nothing to do with yeah, it yeah it's just like indiscriminate if you're in the fire nation you're gone you know like yeah you're you're, you're a valid target which is which is scary and that makes that very terrifying yeah i think the show does a really good job and it's especially apparent in that last season of showing how not everyone is black and white everyone has oh, the yeah. capacity to be good everyone has the capacity to be evil and i think the kind of big point of that is when Aang and Zuko, Zuko becomes Aang's firebending teacher in the third season, when Zuko realizes he's not like Azula and he's not like his dad and he fights his dad and he says like, look, I, I don't want to be like you and I don't think what you're doing is the right thing. Zuko goes to teach Aang and obviously they're met with issues because none of them trust Zuko, especially after all the times they've given him chances, Zuko really needs to prove himself. But Aang and Zuko go on this journey together to the sun warriors to seek the original source of firebending because Zuko's lost his firebending after losing his drive which is to regain his honor by giving his dad the avatar and I guess ending the war in a way where the fire nation wins mm. and they go there and they realize the way of the the sun warriors and and learning what firebending is truly about which i think is really important because we have only really seen except for in iroh firebending in a destructive capacity we've never really seen and everyone who even talks about it whether it's ang whether it's other firebenders who are nice to him 
or even Zuko, it's seen as destructive. It's never seen as beautiful. It's never seen as a useful thing. It's seen as a destructive thing in a way to destroy the world. But the Sun Warriors show them that it's it is life, it's energy, it is warmth, it is all of these beautiful things that when you think about fire or you think about, you know, heat as a, a way of doing things, it, it powers everything we do. It's electricity, it is your energy source. And mm. so when they it go... It cooks pizza. <laughs> it cooks pizza, bitch. They go and they bring the eternal flame, which is the, the original source of fire, to the original firebenders, which are the last two dragons to exist, who are thought to have been extinct. And they learn this beautiful art of firebending, which is honestly extremely emotional. That episode makes me cry every time mm. because it's Zuko finally realizing kind of who he is and it's Aang realizing, you know, how to be a firebender without hurting people, without hurting Katara, without hurting other people because he doesn't have control over it. And they learn what good people can do. And Iroh is a really good example of what good firebenders can be because the whole time, everything they've known about Iroh has been incorrect in terms of what he did as a firebender general. Yeah. Like, you know, him claiming Ba Sing Se was something that his dad wanted him to do, Azulon, and he stopped because he he didn't want to do it but also he was hurt by it and then like you know he said he was the dragon of the west early on in the series and we find out people who are named dragon are people that have killed dragons but he never did kill a dragon he was hiding that he was saving the dragons for the sun warriors and stuff it's just a fucking it's a lot we we just this is an iro stan account yeah it is like, it's just so crazy. Like, I mean, and even the Fire Nation Swordsmaster that teaches soccer is an incredible example of a firebender who is not a bad person. Or one of the most powerful firebenders that they meet kind of early in the show that they wanted to be Aang's firebending teacher. He was like, I'm not going to teach you firebending because it is, I've only seen it as being dangerous. Like, I've never been able to see it in a way that's nice. So I don't want to do it myself. He's a good person and he uses his firebending in a good way and then eventually fights the Fire Nation and things to help them. Like, I think firebending especially needed to have people to prove that they were good too because they'd, yeah. throughout the show, you only see them painted as bad and no one is black and white. And it's really important to see people as people instead of people as what they believe because everyone has the opportunity to create good and everyone has the opportunity to create bad even people that are seen as good you yeah. know it's it's interesting because yes yeah, so much can be tied back to what has and what is happening in real life yeah especially when you're saying about the whole fire nation have always been seen as bad and lots of them are not but you know it, at, the, in at the, least for the at, past hundred years they've all been seen as bad yeah. i don't want to say that and and exclude like roku and things like that who are good oh, yeah. people and you know but the thing is like even in the the credits and stuff at the, the opening of the show, it's, you know, the Fire Nation attacked. Yeah. But it's not the Fire Nation that's bad. It's the people that are in power and driving the Fire Nation and teaching them what is false. And that has happened in the real world multiple times, and we need to make yeah. sure that doesn't keep happening. Yeah. And, like, I think everyone, including myself, is guilty of painting people with one brush. Yeah. And saying, like, a sweeping statement about a certain country or a certain group of people. And that's just not true. Everyone is individual, but it's really hard for the brain to, to go... Each individual person... It's, like, too many things for the brain to think about, right? Yeah. So the, the brain just goes, blob. And then they call that blob something and they believe something about that, you know? Yeah, it's it's the the joy of language, which is 
things get said in a simplified way just you know to make to make, to make, make more sense like yeah. you know just to be like oh yeah it's the fire nation well it's like yeah hashtag not all fire nation but <laughs> yeah but enough but, fire nation to create the, an issue yeah but the thing is if everyone's going oh yeah it's the fire nation that did this and n- knowing and they might have said to the person well you know not all the fire nation but a lot of the fire nation are the people in power and if that story keeps spreading that's going to get lost, and it's now it the Fire Nation. Yes, all yeah. Fire Nation, and and that's the thing about language. It's said in simplicity one way, and then that spreads, and then it all gets bad. And, yeah, and the people that are maybe not as bad in the Fire Nation, maybe have to act bad because everyone else hates them all of a sudden. Yeah, just because it's, they're uh, there. Yeah, it's, right, right. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, and you know we've got to make sure that doesn't happen, and you know, and and they the show did touch very well on so many things like that yeah and oh, it was just a great show yeah and the very end like i suppose we should like i suppose we're at the, the end now yeah and i've got tons more to say so you know feel free to say whatever you want to say about the end i was just gonna quickly jump back and just be like we're here now we can talk about it oh iroh is fucking ripped oh he, yeah oh my god when he was put in prison and the eclipse happened he got to know this one person yeah. at the prison who was treating him like a human. And he's like, oh, you're so nice. You're not looking too well. You should, like, have this afternoon off. And she's like, I'm fine. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't don't be at work this afternoon. Don't be here looking after yeah, me this you afternoon. You work so hard. You deserve the, the afternoon off. And she's like, lol, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, go away. I'm going to fucking you know body some people yeah and I'm then busting she's out of here and the, there are people that are busting into here <laughs> and then she's like oh dip so then she leaves <laughs> and then he busts out because he's ripped and he's been faking going insane this whole time yeah one other thing i wanted to touch with i believe actually happened it was back in book two so i just want to circle back yeah because we are an iro stan account here yeah and that's when they were in Barsing say they had a story in one of the episodes where they would follow each person. They followed Momo. Oh, yeah. They followed Aang. They it's fo- kind of like a like, beach episode. Yeah, it's like a beach episode. And they followed Iroh, and he was being kind to people, and he was, like, helping this person, and he was he gets, doing this. Like, and a, a robbed, almost, yeah. at knife point. And then he's like, no, he, you're he ta- not that person. And he talks the robber into, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And he's like, well, because of this. And he's like, well, you don't have to. There's other ways around this. Like, you c- we can do the, the... We can work this out. Yeah, come have some tea. Oh, like, you know, oh, my God. He's just such a blessing. And there's this little boy that's crying, and he sings him a song about little soldier boy come home. <laughs> Leave and, and then he's like, And then he's just, like, all happy and smiling, and he's always happy. And then he walks up to a tree and pours two cups of tea and puts a little picture and it is a picture of his son because it would have been his son's birthday, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, happy birthday. And then just starts crying and singing the little soldier boy song again. And you're just like, soldier boy, ah! I'm in hell. He just, <laughs> just supermaned his song. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, so, it, yeah, it was that. That also makes me cry. That it, episode. It it is brutal just to see that kind of you know how he's so happy like to everyone else, but it's he's hurting so much and oh, it's just it's like he's living 
he's trying to maintain the memory of his son and he's living for his son. Like his son doesn't get to live anymore. So he's going to live in the best way that he can. That's what I think his character is. And it's, it's just so good. Yeah. So now that we're kind of at the end, uh, Aang fights a fire Lord and spares his life, which is really important. He takes his bending away. A lot of people don't believe in. And, and actually it's something that, uh, his character really goes through a lot of anguish about because everyone is telling him he needs to kill the Fire Lord. You know, Zuko's saying, kill my dad, bitch. Everyone is saying, kill him, kill even, him. Even he, the previous avatars. Even Roku, even Kyoshi, even, I forget the water and airbender names. <laughs> um, like- Yang Chen, I think, is the airbender one. Yeah. But they're all like, you need to kill him. Like, you need to understand that, yes, the avatar is the link between worlds. And yes, you are not of the earth. So you need to be above the earth, kind of. But mm. the avatar serves the earth. So the avatar needs to do what's right for the earth. And like the, the air nomads uh, teach, you know, that the earth isn't the only thing like your earthly possessions are not everything and you need to be above that and you need all to understand life is sacred all, exactly and... all life is sacred you can't hurt anything they even are vegetarians and things that's a real taoism belief yeah. um, which we'll touch on later but yeah so he's like i just at my core i do not believe and it is extremely selfish that ang doesn't kill the fire lord in my opinion i think it's selfish but i mean it is because everyone is telling him to do it and everyone believes and it Ultimately, I think, even though I think killing is ultimately wrong and it doesn't teach anyone anything, it probably would have been the right decision in that. What do you think about that? Do you think that would have been the right decision? Or do you so, think what Aang did was right? So it's it's very interesting and there, there's so much conversations and, and pros and cons to everything. And I see everyone's argument against this mm. or for it. But yes if he was to just be like i can't i i can't kill him or i can't do anything to him because that's not what i believe yeah it's like not but a power he's... thing it's belief a belief thing he, yeah but like, the thing I could is... definitely kill him oh yeah. But, yeah but the thing is he is going to go kill other people he's going yes. to go kill a lot more people yes. that's what he was going to, he was going to kill i think all of the earthbending like he was going to kill the earth kingdom earth kingdom yeah, on, on Sozin's Comet, which is the D-Day that we're building up to, Ozai's plan is to completely wipe out the Earth Kingdom. Yeah, and he stands on a blimp and... And just goes... <laughs> like, it is terrifying. Come here, fucking spirit bombs he this bitch. He does everything in his um, power to fucking yeah, so body all of them. He throws, like, you know, a few hundred metres of flame out of his hands and just wiping out the world like just burning everything yeah and it is terrifying and he was just going to kill so many people so it sort of tosses up that you know yeah it's one life but like you need to take one life but it saves it's saving hundreds, hundreds of, of thousands yeah. of lives which so, is why i think he should have been killed i see i don't know if he had to be killed or had to be stopped the way that ang yeah. has done it i i agree with what sort of ang ended up doing yeah because i ultimately agree and i think it's a good way but it does feel a little unsatisfying but at the same time not everyone is black and white and they've been showing that through the whole show right yeah so even ozai has good in him and that's something that ang says is like just because he is this way doesn't mean that there's no good in him despite what he's showing i think azula was probably without good (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) 
So Ozai's like, I'm going to go burn the world and become super mega ultimate king lord phoenix, phoenix fucker, you know, of everything known phoenix to man. Fucker. He's he he just makes a title <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I rule the world Chicken now." Kicker. And <laughs> Jesus. Chicken chaser. Chicken chaser. And then he's like, "Hey Azula, you can be fire lord." Well, and then I'm going to make myself cool a title. Bye. And like, <laughs> right? <laughs> you be Fire Lord. I am now Fire Supreme Lord Phoenix God. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so before she's even made Fire Lord, she's like threatening to kill people and she's banishing people. Yeah. And she's like, There was a pit in my, cr- in my cherry I you died. deserved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what it could have done to me? My hair is slightly being hairy. I'm going to chop half of it off. <laughs> Mother, you never loved me. <laughs> I also just want to say one thing that I did breeze over, which really brings power and fear into Ozai Mm. is it's voiced by Mark Hamill. Oh, it's so cool. It's like sort of his Joker voice to an extent. Mm. And that is terrifying and powerful. So it's, it's a very good voice cast for him. But because he gets his power taken away, I think that's better than killing him. Because let's say he's killed. Anyone that still follows him, like, can still follow through with his beliefs yeah but the thing is if he's there and he's made to be powerless yeah that's true one he doesn't get off scot-free yes he now has to live with the consequences of his actions he needs exactly yes and he is no longer a figurehead that has been removed and that's what they were saying like yeah you know they were like, like that's hey, why iroh's like i can't take over as the fire lord because yeah. it would be seen as someone trying to take power yeah like a, bro- a brother trying world. to kill his other brother to take power yeah which has always happened in the fire nation yeah and that's why it was good i think because it's gone hey here's your oh powerful lord phoenix king of everything he has no power. He has no here. power. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. What what what's he gonna do? He can't get his powers back. Yeah. So, so I think that's better because Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think They could have explained that a little. That, I think probably it needed to have an extra episode about it, and that would take away from the, you know, movie length final episode for them. But I, I do think more needed to be said on it because they they kind of treated Ozai with disrespect a little bit. Like, you know, everyone was needlessly petty towards him in the end of the show. Instead of having, like, being the bigger person, right? And being like, I'm putting you away. We're taking your powers away. And everyone kind of, like, spits on him, kind of. And it's like, well, if you want this person to be better, right? Like, that's the whole reason that Aang is saving his life. Mm. Is that he believes that there is some good in him and he needs to learn from his mistakes um is like you can't also be like phoenix king motherfucker like you know you can't do that that because no you're gonna just create another monster like all oh, these people hate me so you know fuck them kind yeah of. so i i kind of hated that scene but i like fire is his will to live you know like and you're taking away his will to live and i know that that's part of being imprisoned right and he ends up being imprisoned and and uh when zuko eventually becomes the next fire lord he finally is able to ask him and feel safe what the fuck happened to his mum, which is like really powerful but we still don't know by the end of the show 
But I still think, like, he definitely couldn't have had his power. And that's why I think death might have been a better option, is because he definitely needed his power taken away from him. But I do think it is maybe potentially too cruel, even though there is, you know, he needs to pay for his crimes, potentially too cruel to take his power away. Because it is who he is. Like, it's like, you get to live as a vegetable now. Teehee, peace out. Like, you might as well be dead. Yeah. But I do think you the only way to pay for your crimes or to learn, like, the way to, you know, go to jail. I, that's why I don't think there should be a, a death penalty at all. I think that that is stupid. Because you are not learning from that mistake that you've made. You are not paying for that mistake you've made you know yeah well, and that's why i think it's better that he had his powers taken yeah but i do think i mean and that's a that's a whole conversation within itself you know oh yeah debating whether or not uh, how ang handled it is it the best i still think that ang was selfish i think though that it and especially after what you've said like it it completely makes sense that it happened and i think potentially it was the right move but there's still something that doesn't sit right with me and i think that's part of the show though i think the way that they set it up, it's meant to be a conversation about it, and it's meant to yeah. be a conversation about what is right. And yeah, uh, anyway. Yeah, I've I've always like I just want to quickly say on that, it's the way the way I sort of can relate it as best as I can because we don't actually have people that can master and bend the elements in real world. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's sort of like saying, okay, you've seen yourself as a god. And he sort of did. Yeah. You know, he put himself into this position and he's like, I am a god. Like, you know, I am in charge of everything and anyone that goes against me will burn. Yeah. And my life is more important than yours, etc., etc. But in this way, it's sort of like going, okay, if you're all the way up there, we've now put you in a position that yeah. someone who is disadvantaged is in this is how other people have to live yeah a part of me believing what i believe is also probably similar to how Toph and how soccer and how all those other people they all have hurt in their heart about what ozai and what zulon and all of them have done to them mm. so they they're coming at it with a place of hurt whereas ang has had nothing like he he's he's definitely hurt from what they've done and stuff but like he's coming at it as more impartial which i think is important which we don't have the benefit of being because we you know whatever anyway yeah. so now that we've talked about the story there's tons more to talk about i feel like i could talk about this forever but i do definitely want to talk about some things that are a part of why i love the show so much now the book that they made for this show to promote the show before it was being made is quite different to how the show ended up, which I think is kind of interesting. That tends to be how things go, but it was like significantly different. For example, Iroh was actually meant to be evil and he was not meant to be Zuko's uncle. He was meant to be his teacher and he was going to betray everyone. Wow. So, Azul, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Azula was meant to be a boy. He was meant to be Azul. And Toph was meant to be a guy as well. There was going to be far more male characters. And there was also going to be no Suki. There was going to be no Mei and Tai Lee. There was going to be no Jet and the Freedom Fighters. I'm happy with no Jet. Yeah, I could have gone without Jet. No, but it's, it was an important <laughs> part of the story because it was showing how good people can be bad. and yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Anyway. But... I touched on this earlier that the powers that the people have are all representative of something in real life, like how the air nomads 
were really influenced by Taoism or the way that it was written was influenced by Taoism and how they believe that no hurt should come to any other living thing. All of the bending, the fire bending, water bending, earth bending, air bending are all based on martial arts. And you can see that from how they're drawn, they look like forms in a martial art mm. style. So each element has a different style and each element is based on a different group of Asian cultures. So... Waterbending is based on Tai Chi. Tai Chi is less about strength and more about alignment, body structure and breath and visualization, which I think is waterbending. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's more of a flow of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about flow. It's about uh, adaptation. It's about change. It's about, you know, breathing. It's about, yeah, yeah it's, it's about an, It's an life. ebb and flow, like a balance. Things are up, down, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm going to skip that makes a lot of sense. for a second <laughs> and I'm going to talk about firebending. Okay. So firebending is based on the Shaolin monks. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So it's meant to be strong and dynamic. It's meant to use powerful leg and hand movements. It's meant to be aggressive. So the two characters most at odds throughout the series are Katara and Zuko, practitioners of waterbending and firebending. They are yin and yang themselves, which together make harmony. So that's why when they fight together toward the end, it's so powerful because they're, they are, they need each other to mm. make balance. That story is something else that we could have a whole episode on yeah. Katara and Zuko. And actually Katara and Zuko were meant to be together. That was one of the ways that they wrote the show. They meant, and you can kind of see it even in their character development that you could see them kind of leaning toward being together, especially when they learn about each other having lost their mum to the yeah. Fire Nation. <laughs> like they both identify with that and they both identify with, you know, loss and, and regaining a sense of, self and you stuff could see like a that. smooch coming you could definitely have understood if a smooch did come yes yeah. and they have to go through so much to understand each other so it's, it's really cool airbending is based on I, I don't know how to pronounce this so i'm really sorry bagua uh fighters uh, which are known for moving in a circle and consistently spinning back and forth um so ang's circular movements generate a tornado like force and demonstrate how the particular bending style is peaceful looking but one of the most powerful Mm. Um, which I think is really cool. It sucks that, and and it's the nature of the show. But it sucks that Avatar only is able to show airbending through Ang. So we don't really get to see like the different styles outside of just you know his temple style. We see some of them and how Ang you know invents some moves and stuff like that. And I wanted to talk about earthbending last because it's epic. <laughs> um, so earthbending is based on hunger. I don't know how to... I'm really sorry. I'm white. Hunger is known for its strong stances and it's rooted in the ground. So it's meant to represent the movements of animals like tigers and it's meant to represent hard power and soft power. So it's like a, a balance of both powers. Mm. And you can kind of see that in how Toph moves, but Toph actually has a completely unique earthbending, which is based on Chowgar which is the Southern Praying Mantis style. So it says Toph is so badass that she gets her very own style of martial art. It's a very rare style. And they the reason that they chose something different for her was partly because she's the most powerful earthbender, but because she's blind. So because she had to learn from the origin source. So that's why they wanted to choose a rare martial art to base it off of. But, you know, because she's the only one who can metal bend. She's the only person that 
who is as powerful as she is. She also learns how to sand bend, which is not completely uncommon, but is more uncommon. Uncommon to have multiple. <laughs> yeah, so she she's incredible. I just think it's it's so fucking cool that yeah. when they were thinking of what to base the styles on, she got her own, which says a lot. You know, even you can see hunger in the way that the Kyoshi warriors fight as well. So they're not earthbenders but they use those styles in their fighting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, all of those, yeah, they make so much sense. And it makes sense that they've chosen those styles for the different elements yeah. because it is so, like, you know, the water one is more about flow in Tai Chi and earthbending being a lot more rooted and, like, yeah. of the earth and animalistic and stuff. Yeah. And air being more about momentum and, and movement. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just so, so cool. There's it's so little many details like that. like that that yeah. make a story and make the whole sort of universe of it so much more in-depth and believable. It's so great. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure uh, there's probably conflicting opinions about this, but a from what, uh, what a lot of people who have an Asian background have said, like this was one of the first mainstream Asian dominant children's shows, right? It shows Asian cultures in a way that is exciting and fun and makes it promotes that kind of like. Mm. And so for a lot of people who had an Asian upbringing, a lot of them felt represented by the show, which is really powerful. And it's kind of why a lot of people petition to have, you know, different cultures and stuff be represented in shows because it feels like they can actually like that's something that they could be, you know, like not saying you can be an earthbender or a waterbender or whatever, but you you can be powerful and you can be these things. So it's really important to have yeah. those kind of representations in shows. But that's, yeah, why I really like Avatars because the creators of the show were really adamant about making something that kind of was authentic or felt authentic in a fantasy world. And I think that they did it fairly well, but in saying that I am white, you know, so <laughs> I, I, there is a very clear ignorance from me. But yeah, so I wanted to talk again about the differences between the book the original book that they pitched and then the show in its final. I talked about the elements, talked about Toph and Azula being boys and about some characters not being there. But I think one of the cooler things that I found out was oh, apparently... Is this, is this about uh, the unobtainium and when they have to dig it from under a giant tree? No, no, this and... is about midichlorians. Oh, midichlorians. Right, right, right. Sorry, this sorry. Isn't, this isn't about the unobtainium. No, 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 no. In Fern Gully. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, as you were. So Momo, a <gasps> yes. favorite character, was actually, and I think you could probably argue that it's still within the show. It's just not in the show as blatantly obvious as was at first intended. But Momo was meant to be the reincarnation of Monk Gyatso, who is Aang's mentor. Aww. So you can see Momo and Aang are like one in the same. Like they're always together throughout the show. And like that's not just because he's an air nomad creation. Like he's it's not just because he's from that part and like so they're bonded because they're both from the same place. It seems like there's more to their connection. So yeah, the reason why they did that was because it was meant to kind of represent Monk Gyatso, which I think is so cool. Like, yeah, they don't really say it outwardly at all, but like it wasn't until Aang found Monk Gyatso's body that he found Momo. So that I think was why There's like a little tie that in tie there. in is meant to be, yeah. Aww. They the, every time he had flashbacks to Monk Gyatso, it was just so wholesome. Because he's like this old guy that just has so much fun. Yeah. And is just so carefree in his life. And it's, you know? Yeah. <sighs> I would love to see, just quickly, a spin-off episode of The Face Stealer. 
that's what I was going to talk about. Like the oh. face sealer is such a cool concept where uh, in the show, if you show him emotion, he will steal your face or he will steal the face of the one you love, I think it is. Um, I think it's he steals your face and then you can no, no longer go back and then he can use your face. Yeah. So um, one of the previous avatars lost their wife to the... Um, to, see, that's the thing. That's why I think it's the one you love because he lost his wife's face to to that spirit. I can't, I can't remember now. Um, anyway. Because that's why I was worried because like... Because Aang, Aang was thought he was going to lose Katara. Ah. Yeah. I thought he was like, I need to do this because I can't... Then I won't be able to get back. But mm. um, yeah, face dealer... Terrifying. terrifying. I still don't know how he did it. I think that was a big part of Aang growing up. Yeah, and was... the good... Oh, the one that extra thing that just made him even more terrifying, the face stealer, mm. is he tries to trick you into showing emotion. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that's... Like, as soon as shit like that tries to trick you into things, mm. you're just like, I'm out. Yeah. But, like, in a, you know, very nonchalant way. Yeah. Apparently, in the original, Zuko, instead of going through the Earth Kingdom and learning about what the Fire Nation has done to the Earth Kingdom, he actually goes through the Fire Nation, which I think is unbelievable. So I'm glad yeah. that they did the Earth Kingdom because it makes more sense that the Earth Kingdom wouldn't know who Zuko is and would believe that someone had a fire scar on his face from a fight. Like, it would be more believable that someone might have been hurt by a Fire Nation soldier or something because they, you know, spoke out of turn or whatever, mm. rather than him being in the Fire Nation and being burned um, and learning about what the Fire Nation was doing. Like, nah, I think it makes more sense for him to have gone to the people he'd hurt. Yeah. And like, it gives him more character I can, development. I can see that, like the outer reaches of the fire nation maybe being you know more pushed aside mm. by the fire nation but yeah definitely i like how they went for the show a lot better yeah apparently the ending was also different so it says the closing moments of avatar the last airbender is a feature length finale called sozin's comet a call to return of the jedi I see that. That's interesting. The heroes gather together in celebration of their victory. The ending of the series Bible, however, was closer to re Return of the King, as in Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Yeah. <laughs> their journey together concludes where their foes were vanquished and the heroes go their separate ways. So that's interesting. I mean, the, the heroes kind of do go their separate ways in the end of the show anyway. Like Aang is the Avatar and him and Katara can finally be together. Zuko becomes an ex-Fire Lord and Mei obviously stays with Zuko and they are going to rule the Fire Nation in peace. Tylee becomes a Kyoshi warrior. Tylee becomes a Kyoshi warrior. <sighs> Toph. We don't really know what happens to Toph, hey? Like, we just know that... She just becomes... Well, not becomes, just continues to be a badass. Yeah, and, you know, Iroh runs the tea shop Maybe and Zuko sometimes and... works at the tea shop. Yeah, imagine that, though. Like, the, I said that when we were watching. It's like, a... <laughs> the Fire Lord serves you tea. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently Zuko ascends the Fire Nation throne and sets about remaking his nation for the better. Toph becomes an advisor to the Earth King. Katara and Sokka sail home with their father to rebuild the Southern Water Tribe. After Aang flies off with Appa and Momo to seek out the surviving air nomads, achieving a life of adventure as a reward for saving the world. I think that would have been cool, but it would have been sad for them to have gone on such a big journey together for none of them to be together at the end. Yeah. But I do like him seeking out the air nomads in a way that makes it like he wasn't the only one. 
Like they just thought he was the only one. How do you feel about your life now that you have watched Avatar? Do you um, have a preference for which nation you would like to be from if you were living there? Ooh. Uh, do you know what? Like, I, I If have... everyone was in peace it, at the end of Avatar, right? Yeah. We're, we're picking at the end of Avatar. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, I can, I like the, you know, the Fire Nation being used for life and, and like, you know, not in a, a destructive, bad way. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the Sun Warriors are on the table. Yeah. It's and, not, not just the cities and stuff. And I've also was like, because I, I like having fun and just being silly. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could be an air nomad. But no, I love pulled pork too much. So I don't think I could do that. <laughs> and. Yeah, there's just so much. After a lot of deliberation, though, I think I'm <laughs> just gonna have to be the avatar. Uh huh. So, so you can have all of them. So I just do them all. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, they they come around every lifetime, so you could be. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and you you bring peace to the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Based on who they are, I would love to be uh, in the Earth Kingdom. I would like to be an Earthbender. However, there is something that really pulls me to the water tribe. Like, I, I love water. I love the element. I think there's something that's so attractive about, like, free-flowing things and just everything adapting and shaping. And, and yeah, I, I think that there's something that about that that really attracts me. But how we see the southern water tribe is how I'd always had that in my head. And I'm like, I don't want to be that. <laughs> but I would want to be a I want reef- a nice palace. <laughs> I, I would want to be a reformed northern water tribe person where yeah. they where they live in something more comfortable but they don't have the sexist undertones and things that they had originally and and th- things like that i think definitely having the avatars effect on them that's would be like where i'd want to be i love aesthetically the look of it too but i fucking detest the cold so that's the least good thing about the waterbenders i don't want to be in the swamp and be a swamp bender but see that's they live a better life that's similar like i overheat so probably i should be in one of the poles but the other thing is if i had to choose one and can't be the avatar sadly i love the whole earth bending stuff yeah if i wasn't probably in like water because let's be honest i'm scared of heights uh so i'm not gonna be in the air i would never want to be an airbender i think because and, of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. But the whole thing about a lot of the places that we saw in the Earth Kingdoms, especially in Basing Say, there was so much of like that segregation and that uptightness and that like I just I hate that. It just made me feel yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't stand that. It's I if mean, it was... it's something that definitely is talked about in Korra. I just don't remember. But I you can imagine from that from the war being over that things would change right like so yeah it just might not as be it might not be as bad as it was like that's that's the tipping point you know so they then need to adapt and realize the way of life was not okay yeah especially with now without the king so yeah like what king boomy take over Oh my god, imagine. Could you imagine? Yeah, in terms of where in the Earth Kingdom I'd want to live, I'd want to live in Omashu for sure. I think their their city is really cool. And I, I like the 
their postal system. I think it's fucking epic, <laughs> the slides. And I just think that they have a better vibe than Barsingsay, even yeah. though Barsingsay seems really pretty. Especially um, the women. Yeah. They are, they look so pretty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, there's so much that can be said about this show. Like, seriously, so much. Uh, it's... Oh, we've already had such a long episode yeah, right sorry. now. And we probably could keep talking. Yeah. But I ran out of drink a long time ago and I want another one, so... <laughs> yeah. At this stage, if you're here, you must enjoy the show to a degree or enjoy us talking. So I hope that Avatar has had a profound effect on you like it has had on me. I love it so much. I have such an appreciation for firebenders. I used to think when people wanted to be firebenders, it was like kind of like Slytherin. Like, oh, you just want to be the fucking weird one, you know? Like, you just want to be the evil one. But coming to the end of the show and learning from the sun warriors and stuff i definitely am more of the opinion that there's something very beautiful about firebenders mm. and there's something very beautiful about their power that you know is extremely attractive it's it's just that it is so deeply rooted in hatred that it a lot needs to change for that to be different but it doesn't yeah. mean that everyone is like the evil people but yeah i i definitely think there's something very attractive about being a firebender that's for sure yeah definitely the true meaning yeah. of and christmas the dragons and... are so cool yeah terrifying though they were um, fucking terrifying but like yeah. even when they were being nice i was just like it's gonna fucking eat me yeah um no. but yeah clearly something had been had been lost of the true meaning of firebending and stuff so you know it definitely shows that there was a push to change that. And especially, you know, when Zuko gets into power and he's like, hey, we're going to fix this up because, boy, this this messed up. And everyone's like, yeah, no, fair. Yeah. Anyway, there's still so much we haven't talked about, but I feel like this is probably a good place to stop. If anyone really likes Avatar and stuff and wants us to talk about it more, I'm sure we would be more than happy to talk about it. I'm sure after Legend of Korra, we're probably going to come back and talk about Who it knows? again. Maybe. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. It's been a lot of it has just been verbal diarrhea, but yeah i sometimes i can't get my mind around this show it is so it's so important to me it's been such a big part of my life and i'm so glad that i'm finally able to share it with you yeah and for everyone of course that has been listening thanks, thanks. we'll see you again next week update update oh my god um not only do we have a twitter that you can go oh. and look on and an Instagram that you can go and look on which we we put some funny pictures up other than the drinks we now have a tiktok so Lemon is creating clips from our podcast and putting them on there. So if you would like to see or be reminded of little clips from our podcast, definitely check it out. Show it some love because I'm really proud of Lemon for creating it. I did a thing. Did a thing. It's I just spirited conversation. There's no dots, no nothing. No, oh my God. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Again, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. And yeah. Thanks to all of our future sponsors and future guests that are going to be coming on. Yeah. Jenna, Julian, Matt Mercer, Tina Kitten, you know, all you, all you lovely people. And all you, all you other people that are just listening, just thanks, you know. Thanks. I, can, I can love you. All right, bye. Bye. bye.